On today's episode, we have Wen Yang Feng. She is the VP of Analytics at Plastic. We're going to discuss her journey, lessons learned along the way, and some helpful tips for newbies in the space. Enjoy the show. Wen Yang, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me today. My name is Wen Ying Fan. I am currently uh, leading the analytics and science function at a startup company called Plastic. I was born in Taiwan. I came to the United States for school and uh, my major was biostatistics. So as a typical biostatistician, I started my career as a scientist in medical research, building longitudinal models to identify risk factors to human health. At one point, there was an opportunity for me to switch the gear from a more kind of academic research type of focus to an industry-oriented setting. And the opportunity was presented to me at a company called eBay. So I joined the company to start working on building professional fraud detection model. So basically, instead of looking for risky factors to human beings, I look for risky factors to a company. And since then, I've been very busy helping companies in different industries to overcome different challenges and accelerate growth among various domains. In the past decades, I have cooperated with business partners in marketing, product, finance and accounting, risk and operation technology at e-commerce, mobile games, and fintech companies. Very nice. Yeah, it sounds like uh, you were able to make that transition from uh, biomed into uh, consumer products and essentially use what you learned and just solve different problems, right? Correct. Awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of people, they don't always think their skills are applicable because it was in a specific domain. But I think if you have the underlying right tools, then it's just understanding that business and kind of what that business is trying to solve. And hopefully, most of the times, your skills should be able to translate into uh, helping them out too. Absolutely. I do think a lot of different kind of like divisions or they say academic areas, we share a very common root. So a lot of time, maybe we'll be using different terms. But again, we're basically applying very similar or uh, principles or a concept to solve problems, even if they have a different technical terms. Yeah, that's a good point. I think there's people that, you know, they're just uh, have a financial background and then they feel kind of that's all the world they know. So, you know, if you want to make an industry move, it'll be okay. You know enough and you'll pick up what you don't know. So I think it's a good point that your skills will translate. It's just, I think people feel like they become a, a domain expert in one specific industry. And that's great. And I think having that business acumen for one particular area is always helpful. But you know, if you're looking to make a, a change and, and get into a space that's different, don't hesitate. I think uh, you'll be fine. Yeah, you're definitely right. I do think a very strong domain knowledge or say someone who is deeply into a specific domain throughout the entire career, that's definitely a very, very valuable type of approach 
I also feel that in this world, nothing is one dimension. So I would encourage everybody to have at least one strong domain, but then also be very open to the related subjects that could actually make your expertise in the specific domain stronger and more attractive. No, I think that's a great point. I think um, when you have a deep level of expertise, that's the pro. The con is you might get put into the corner. That's all you know. But definitely the advantage is, you know, the ins and outs of that industry. And especially from a data perspective, what data points to be looking for and what consumers activities and behaviors are. And then, you know, most of the time, how that's going to translate to uh, what business is looking for from the, the analytics and data side of the house. Right. I know along the journey, there's always, you know, lots of lessons learned. So I was curious, you know, if you have any good tips out there for people that can use what you've learned along the way to their advantage. Yeah, a bunch. (laughs) So I think we can start with something that I have been coaching my team members and I found it very kind of as a key that led to where I am. I remember when I started my career, I had a great mentor. And the very first thing that he shared with me is to be impact oriented. So, you know, like uh, for data analytics and science talent experts, we have a pretty common goal. And the common goal is to extract insights to answer questions. And the questions obviously has to be real. And if we can address them, that means we can achieve the desired impact. So I've seen along the way some analysts and scientists getting a bit overly excited about some minor details while working on a project. And sometimes those excitement got them quite far off the track and consumed a lot of time from them. But those efforts actually wouldn't be turned into producing any value. So I do think always have the impact that you want to make in mind can help us on the way to be more focused on spending the time on an effort on things that matter. And things that matter means they are going to produce value. So I strongly believe that every single employee needs to bring as much as possible value to his or her employer. And because this is the path that will lead to a win-win story. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I think excitement can lead to distractions. And I think keeping the eye on the prize, essentially making sure your initiatives and excitement are aligning with what the business needs. That's when, like you said, you get the win-win situation. And I think making sure you're constantly asking the why, why are we doing this? You know, yes, I'm excited, but why does this help the company? I think that focus will make sure you stay in line and and hopefully get the results uh, that the company's looking for. Absolutely. So if I may, another one that I also feel (laughs) pretty common. So the very first one about the impact, I think when we started, if you have a good mentor or basically set up some of the goals, I believe most of the analysts and scientists can overcome. The other part is more about how to manage a project that can be very uh, lengthy or say complicated. So I, I always found it being very useful to lay out the entire project timeline. 
it sounds very obvious, but it's actually not something that people do all the time. Or say you have a timeline, but then you don't closely follow the timeline. So I think uh, scientists' projects, for instance, the model building, usually can go on and on unless there is a timeline. And this is simply because there are just always things that we can try to make the model better. So for instance, we may want to add different features, different variables. We want to transform the data differently, or we want to try different data sources. We want to try different methodologies and all those types of things. But we always have to remember there is never a perfect model. So we can try different models, but like the perfect model basically doesn't necessarily exist. So I do think uh, having the timeline layout and then make plan backwards. So if this model needs to, for instance, deliver on a certain day, which needs to be done with a certain type of criteria, then going backward to add a few critical milestones along this timeline and, of course, reserve some buffer in case of any unexpected challenges. And then this exercise can give us an opportunity to think through the entire journey of solving a problem. And it is a very important exercise and can increase the likelihood of success project delivery. Yeah, I think reverse engineering is something that a lot of people don't do. And to your point, it's something that when you you explain it to somebody, you're like, oh, that's simple. Just work backwards. (laughs) But I think it's more seldomly done. And I think when you have the endpoint in mind first, you know, they say books are written with the ending already written by the author, and then they fill in the gap. So to your point, project timelines and deadlines, I think people have a tendency to procrastinate. And so when you have those deadlines, I think you stay more in line. And then if you have stakeholders, they can align to those dates. And I think then it just allows for the project to run smoother, right? Right. Especially for data scientists, a lot of time the work is kind of like very independent. People may describe it as working in the dark. But then if you have a timeline, this timeline can be visible to everybody related to this project. And it's a way to communicate and it's a way to make yourself visible. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent point. I think also it increases accountability for everybody, including yourself. So I think it's once you call it out and say, hey, I am expecting myself to complete this by this date and I'm expecting you to do, you know, have this done by this certain date. I think that accountability is really what drives success. So that's another advantage to laying out the project uh, deadlines and timeline. Yes. Another benefit also is that, you know, when we are building a model or when we are doing some analysis, it's not guaranteed that it's going to be successful. So having a timeline with the milestones can also help us to identify if we should actually end the project early, if there is a reason to move forward to the next milestone. So anyway, this kind of like, this is a, I would say it's a project timeline with the checkpoints and it can help us to increase the likelihood of success. Yeah. And I think a a good final point to me is it's usually the simple, basic things that have the most impact. And to me, this is something that PMs, that's their job. So they're very good at it. But then individual contributors and just working on a project, sometimes it's just very ambiguous. So I think the simple things make a difference and timelines definitely help. So I think it's a great suggestion that uh, 
more of us, including myself, should implement on any project you have. I hope so. <laughs> Another part is that, you know, PMs, uh, they're great to facilitate among different divisions or say different functions within the organization. But each of us, we need to PM our work. Yep, I agree with that. Any other uh, helpful tips along the way that you think uh, would be good to share? And I think another one which I saw very common is that scientist was so excited about trying to solve a problem and then just hop on and start doing the work without thinking about how it's going to be delivered. So I think, think about the context for the deliverable is actually something that I usually would recommend to do the first. So as I mentioned earlier, we are solving a problem. So there is always an ideal or say at least a good format for the deliverable. So sometimes what we need to produce is to implement a model. Sometimes it's simply as building a dashboard. And sometimes it can be a presentation with all the organized data. And sometimes it's all of this. And knowing what and how we will deliver our result can help us to take the most proper approach to solve problems. So for instance, if a science team needs to tell the sales team about among all the visitors on the website, who among the visitors the sales team should reach out to discuss business or try to establish the partnership. And if the scientist team has a goal to identify those people for the sales team, then we definitely need to think about a solution that can automatically distribute those identified valuable leads. And also we need to think about their work schedule and things like that. So in order to do so, we may need the data streaming infrastructure. We may need a science platform that can work with the streaming data and then re- produce the result. And then maybe there is also need a sales platform to basically deliver and make this entire thing happen. So we have to think about if we have all these pieces in place, and if not, can we have them ready by the time the model is developed? And if not, what other options we can have? So going through this exercise is to make sure that our work, our effort can be consumed precisely as we designed. Otherwise, the impact would not happen or the impact would be greatly discounted. Yeah, and it's a good tie-in, I think, to your initial point about impact. And it sounds like without understanding the problem you're trying to solve, knowing what the end goal is, and then being able to be prepared that result won't be as good. So it sounds very common sense and basic, but I can't imagine how many projects fail at one or all of these aspects. And then people are scratching their head, what went wrong? And it's like, slow down, don't get too excited and figure out what you need to do. And it's funny because in the data world, everybody's very analytical. So you would think, you know, these aspects of working backwards and having a timeline and knowing the context of deliverables would be more common, but we're all human and, and the excitement of getting to work and just having your head down and, and not kind of seeing uh, kind of how the lay of the land should be can kind of hit anybody. I think we've had a good chat here. I think there's a lot of good tidbits 
that are simple and basic, but always good reminders. And um, I really wanted to thank you and appreciate your time being on the show. And if anybody, you know, has any questions or if there's anything, would be uh, LinkedIn the best place to uh, reach out to you? That sounds good. Awesome. Well, thanks so much uh, for listening and uh, cheers till next time. Thanks so much. 